What number is this, Chip? Episode 82, Celebrate Davy Jones. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I know. You're listening to Zilch, a podcast full of monkeys. Welcome to a very special episode of Zilch, where we celebrate the life of Davy Jones. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts today, and today we are also joined by Melanie Mitchell. Hello, Melanie. Hello. Later, Dave Galvin will be stopping by, and we will be playing part of his episode on Davy Jones from his podcast, We Want the Monkeys, which is going to become part of the Zilch family. We also have an interview with Judith Supple Hadlock who actually ran the Friends of Davy Jones fan club, and she will talk about her memories and how she got to know Davy Jones. Melanie, we've done a few other episodes in tribute to Davy Jones or remembering Davy Jones, and I believe this is our third one. To me, it's hard to imagine the monkeys without him, right? But we also know that things uh, continue on. Like, for example, it was great that he was part of the Good Times album. And he's just such an integral part of the monkey's story but what some people may not know is that you actually became a monkey's fan because of his passing correct well i wouldn't say it was because of his passing but it was certainly after his passing and a a sequence of events that took place it it Mm -hmm. brought the monkeys to my attention in a way that you know i i was not a monkey's fan prior to uh, march of 2012 it was after he died, and I noticed all of the uh, media attention, um, all the retrospectives and interviews and in-memoria specials and, and things like that, that piqued my curiosity and, and encouraged me to, to check it, this thing out that I somehow didn't realize how significant it was. So I went on the Internet and, uh, as I say, fell down the monkey hole. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the news of his passing, I should say, not his death itself, but the news of his passing that uh, made me check it out. I'm very conscious of the fact that my monkey's fandom experience is a monkey's fandom in which Davy was already gone. Mm-hmm. You know, when people talk about having met Davy or having experiences at his shows and that I, I haven't had that. I can't legitimately say that I've never seen him perform. I did attend a Monkees concert in 1987. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand the Monkees at the time and I didn't really get full appreciation of the show because there was a lot of inside knowledge that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. But I did see Davy on stage performing. I was sitting way, way out on the lawn at Meriwether Post Pavilion. So <laughs> I saw him <laughs> from a long distance away. <laughs> but, um, you know, just the fact that I never got to see his solo show, uh, except in YouTube interviews. And as I always say in these situations, I am so grateful to all the people who preserved those memories so that I could at least view them, you know, secondhand a little tiny screen on my computer it helps Mm -hmm. now i know you and i have spoken in the past about davy jones work on the tv show and you know it seems like the media just wants to portray him as the heartthrob of the group or the guy who falls in love all the time but Mm -hmm. he brings so much more to the the monkey's table as far as his work on the monkey's tv show and his acting 
Oh my god. First of all, when, when some non-fan tries to describe the TV show, sometimes it's a someone in a magazine article or on a, a news program, you know, they try to summarize the TV show in like 15 words or less. They almost always say, and Davy got stars in his eyes and fell in love every week. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. That's not what the show was about. And it was not his most enduring characteristic. It was a characteristic. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the point of the show at all. And I think that Davy actually falling in love with somebody was very rare. He dated a lot. His links to the women who appeared in the show more often were not that of a, I want to go out with you. It was, I see you have a problem and I want to help you. Mm-hmm. That's true. So his primary characteristic was not, it was not to be the lover, but it was to be the rescuer. Mm-hmm. Well, we saw that in Royal Flush, in the very opening scene of the very first episode that aired, where the princess is drowning and he dives into the water to save her life. Mm-hmm. He didn't fall in love with Patina. He was never more than just a perfect gentleman with Patina, trying to save her life. Mm-hmm. She may have had some affection for him, and she invited him to come visit her in Harmonica, and he turned her down. There are so many other examples of the young woman Susan at the circus. Just the right age, just the right appearance to, to be a love interest, but he wasn't in it because he was in love with her. He was in it because he perceived that she was sad, and he wanted to help her and help her father and, and save the circus. This sort of you know thing comes up again and again and again, and even echoes forward into the Brady Bunch episode, Getting Davy Jones, mm-hmm. where he, you know, he's... <laughs> Not in the least bit romantically attracted to Marsha Brady, but he invites her to the prom because he wants to help her out. He's just being nice. Mm-hmm. So that was one of his characteristics. Another characteristic that he had was that he was an athlete. He was very visibly and very noticeably the strongest and most athletic of, of the four. Um, we saw it, you know, riding the horse in uh, uh, Don't Look a Gift Horse in the Mouth. We saw it in the boxing episode, uh, Monkeys uh-huh. in the Ring. There are other instances, but you know, he was very much the, the strong member of the group. Um, one of my favorite moments is in um, I Was a Teenage Monster uh-huh. during the romp, when he leaps up into the monster's arms. That's a very impressive leap. <laughs> <laughs> he really does cover a, a large distance in that jump. There's a moment, I think it's in um, Monkeys Blow Their Minds, where Mickey leaps into Davy's arms and Davy carries him around for a few seconds. <laughs> He's strong. Yep. <laughs> and a fighter. And he was the fighter of the group. Yep. In, not just as a boxer, but you know, literally standing up to bullies, standing up to bad guys, daring them. You know, I dare you to take a swing at me kind of attitude. In the interview at the end of Find the Monkeys, um, Davy talks about being in Hawaii and being accosted by, he says, nine big guys and little old me. <laughs> and when we did the color cast commentary, I said, that sounds just about fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, on the cover of my book, Davy has got his fists up. He's, he's threatening to fight somebody. Oh, and there's that wonderful thing at the, in um, the Wild Monkeys, the motorcycle episode, mm-hmm. 
where they're talking about their club, the, the chi- Order of the Chickens. Yes. <laughs> and and all of a sudden he's like, that's it, I'm going to tear you apart. And he's like, okay, I'm not getting anywhere near him when he's in that mood because he's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, he had a lot of different hats, if you will, as far as his performance mm-hmm. and his scope. He had a, a great physicality. Mm-hmm. to his humor yes uh there's a, a a couple of scenes in the episode um the prince and the paupers that we, we just did the color cast commentary for that episode it's going to come soon there's a moment where davy is trying to sit on the throne prince ludlow's throne mm-hmm. and he gets the sword tangled up in his legs and has trouble sitting down and he finally gets the sword clear of his legs and sits on the throne and then it takes him three tries to cross his legs <laughs> Go back and watch that scene. You know, yeah. the, the sword thing is obvious. But once he's done with the sword and he sits down and it takes him three tries just to cross one leg over the other. <laughs> and that's, that's a wonderful little bit of humor there. In the same episode, there's a scene where Davy is trying to stand up because he's fed up with the whole plot. And Mike keeps pushing him back onto the throne. And Davy mm-hmm. stands up and Mike pushes him back down again. And Davy stands up and Mike pushes him back down again. And they're having an argument while they're doing this. Mm-hmm. There's like five repeats of this stand up, push down, stand up, push down, stand up, push down. The second to last time, for some reason, the, the crown gets knocked off of Davy's head and Mike catches it. And they're still arguing. And Davy stands up again. Mike is fumbling with this crown that suddenly is in his hands. And Davy pushes himself back down onto the throne. <laughs> it's just, it's such a clever bit of physical comedy. It's just a delight to watch him work. Um, absolutely, you know, there's so many instances. Uh, getting back to the whole, you know, being the strongest and all that, that moment in the last train to Clarksville romp when he actually stops the moving train with his own muscles. (laughs) 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 And here's Peter Tork talking about Davy Jones. Yeah, Davy uh, was a, certainly a commanding entertainer. Uh, I, I wish, uh, I wish that that the people had known some of what I've come to know about how good he could actually be. Uh, some of his stuff, like I said, was just too wild for the air. Wonderful, just brilliant. And it wasn't just because it was wild; it was wild because that's where the humor needed to go. I mean, it was always a. Uh, he wasn't ever just wild or offbeat for the sake of that. He, it was always about what was real in the humor. He was a tremendous. Uh, artist, a comedian, and musician, and uh, he was really something. It's, it's, it's this time of year, right, when we all yeah. kind of look back on the life of Davy, and mm-hmm. here at Zilch, we are celebrating the life of Davy Jones today, so please mm-hmm. join us, and we hope that you enjoy this interview and this presentation from Dave Galvin, and just take some time and celebrate the life of Davy Jones with us as we remember Davy Jones. This is Jessica Jones. This is Talia Jones. And this is Sarah Jones. And, and you're listening, listening to, to Zilch, a monkey's, a monkey's podcast. podcast. <laughs> Hi, it's Annabelle Jones. Help us carry on our father's legacy by becoming a member of the DJMF today and caring for the horses that he loves so dearly. So you can learn more about the DJMF at www.djemf.com. 
If you want to learn more about Written in Our Hearts, you can visit them on Facebook. And if you'd like to purchase the book, it's available on Amazon. To help take care of Davy Jones's herd, and to find out more information on the Davy Jones Equine Memorial Foundation, go to www.djemf.com. And joining us today on Zilch as we look back on the life of Davy Jones and celebrate the life of Davy Jones, we have someone who was a fairly good friend of Davy's. Welcome to the show, Judith Supple Hadlock, or some may just call you Judith. Hi, Judith. Welcome to Zilch. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm doing very well. We've been wanting to have you on, and this is the time of year when everybody kind of thinks about Davy, and we're here to celebrate his life. And you were someone that got to know him a bit in real life, correct? Right. And Judith, some very cool things have happened. As a matter of fact, some of your photos were used in Davy's book, They Made a Monkey Out of Me, correct? Yes. And I also understand that you recently helped out the folks at 7A with their newest monkeys release. There's some photos in there as well, right? Right. There's some photos from Japan that David had sent me back in 81 when he was in Japan. And I believe they've used some of those photos for the record, inside the records there. And a lot of people don't realize this, but Davy started touring Japan because over there, there was a commercial and they used Daydream Believer in the commercial. And that created a little bit of a resurgence in Japan. Oh, yes. It created a big monkey mania resurgence in Japan. Mm-hmm. I was, I was still doing the fan club then, and I was getting hundreds of letters a day from Japan mm-hmm. wanting to join the fan club. And some of them were in Japanese. Wow. Oh, yeah. I got Japanese ones. I got German. I got Italian. All kind of different things. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. You were also in an Australian Monkeys album. What was the name of that album? Yeah, the name of the album is Monkey Mania, 40 Timeless Hits of the Monkeys, and it's kind of like a Greatest Hits double album. Yeah, compilation. And Lenny Baker wrote the liner notes in it, and my name and address are, are in those liner notes. Well, that's a pretty cool one. For, for the fan club, yeah. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, so that's pretty cool, too. Absolutely. Well, well, first, let's take a look at your monkeys' history. How did you find the monkeys? I was a first-generation fan from the age of eight years old in 66. I saw Davey on the Ed Sullivan Show first, and I also saw him on Ben Casey. And I thought, boy, he's cute. (laughs) Even even at that young age, I thought he was cute. Mm -hmm. So then I started watching the monkeys. Of course, they were hugely, hugely, hugely popular. And I, I got into all the kid things like the Halloween costumes and the lunch boxes and that whole deal. I had all that stuff, the board game and everything. Then they, they kind of fizzled out in like 70, 69, 70, and you didn't hear anything like for years and years. Right. And then in 75, I saw this advertisement in my hometown newspaper that DJBH, which is Dollins Jones Voice and Heart, were going to have a concert up in Youngstown at Idora Park, at an amusement park in the ballroom. Mm-hmm. So that's actually how I got first connected and we went to that concert and there weren't very many people there that day really about 50 people in the audience this was like in the afternoon it was the 
the afternoon concert. They had two that day. Yeah, this was like a matinee kind of thing. Right, exactly, yes. We went to the concert, and everybody rushed the stage at the end, and I got up there, too, and got to give Davey a kiss and talk to him a little bit. And told him, I said, oh, boy. I told him, I said, that I was very happy to meet him and that this was the... the it's okay. Sorry, this is hard. It's okay. It's all right. You're amongst friends. I know. I told him that this was the happiest moment of my life to get to meet him. Because it really was. Mm-hmm. I told him who I was and my name and that I, you know, had been like horse crazy all my life too. <laughs> so we had like a lot of stuff in common actually. Right. And then that was just kind of how I met him. And then after that, well, like in the middle of that concert actually, I was thinking, you know, after this concert, everything is going to be over with. Everything's going to go back to the way it was and there's still no connection with him. Mm-hmm. There's no way to write to him or anything. I thought, well, that can't happen. <laughs> I have to do something about that. That can't be. So I decided I would find him somehow or find a fan club or find, you know, some way to write to him or something. Uh-huh. So I went home and I wrote all these letters, like for two years straight. <laughs> I wrote to fan magazines and radio stations and just everywhere I could think of. Uh-huh. Old fan club addresses, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I didn't get anywhere. And I kept writing all these letters. I said, he's, he's out there somewhere. I know he's out there. There's got to be some way, right, to connect. Uh-huh. Right. Then I heard this rumor that DJBH had made an album. And I thought, oh, okay, uh, let me find out if that's true or not. So I went in the this big record store, huge record store called Peaches. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're... Up near Mentor, Ohio? Yes, yes, exactly. I right. know exactly Up what near... you're talking about. Yes, I went to the Peaches record store and asked them if they had the DJB I'm sorry, DJBH album. And they said, yes. They said, we, we have it. They said, we just sold out, but we're ordering more. And they said, would you like to order one? I said, yes, please, you know. Uh-huh. And then I asked the um, clerk there, I said, is there some fan club or some way that I could connect up with these guys that you know about? He said, well, I'll tell you what. He says, since they have their record with Capitol Records, he says, if you write to them, I'm sure they'll be able to, you know, to help you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I said, oh, wonderful. I said, and they gave me the address. I wrote to them, and they wrote back, and I got this 8 by 10 like, DJBH photo, Uh and they gave me Davey's post office box number, so I could finally write a letter to him and I'm like oh my goodness yay after two years right right so so I write this letter and I wrote it like about 20 times to get it exactly the way I wanted it Uh wrote him this letter and sure enough about a week later he writes back sends me this postcard with a horse on it that has coupons that I could like order his like Christmas is my time of year record and some photos and things like that Uh And that's kind of how it started. And then at the, he, he wrote me a little note, and he says, keep in touch. And I thought, oh, okay, I will. Yes, sirree. 
So I kept writing letters, and he kept writing back, and we got to be really good friends, and that's just kind of how it started. Little did you realize that it would become part of Oh, a... yeah, really. Little did I realize. I had no, no idea whatsoever that all this was going to happen later. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was amazing. I mean, I was just, I was thrilled he even wrote back in the first place, you know. Mm-hmm. Judith, we want to thank you for coming on the show today, and some people may remember you amongst Monkeys fans because you actually helped run the Mickey Dolan's fan club and then eventually wound up running the Davy Jones fan club, correct? Right, right, yep. I did the Mickey Dolan's fan club for two years from 77 to 79. Why don't you tell me how this journey all started? I got into some fan clubs uh, that I heard about and one of those fan club people was looking one of the presidents was looking for somebody to help her do her newsletters and she said you know she said i'm terrible at writing she says but i really want to have this fan club for mickey and i'm like well yeah that'd be great you know and she says but she says i want you to write the newsletters i said me and she says yeah because you write so well she says i love how you write because we wrote letters back and forth we Mm -hmm. were pen pals right because everybody did that back then. We didn't have all the computers and everything. Right. We wrote letters back and <laughs> forth, you know. So, yeah, she says, I love your writing. She says, please, you know, can you be the secretary and do the newsletters? I said, sure, you know. So that's how I got into the fan clubs that way. And I did the Mickey Dolan's Stargazer Club newsletters. I should say Dolan's. I always call him Dolan's because that's the way I remember it from when I was little. Mm-hmm. I was the secretary of that fan club. For about two years, or about from about seven, 77 to 79. And then in 79, Davey had this fall tour that he was going to do. Mm-hmm. On that tour, I got a chance to ask him if I could have a fan club for him. Because that was actually what I really wanted to do in the first place. Right. I mean, it was fine doing Mickey's Club, and that was great. But I had the feeling that Mickey needed someone doing his newsletters that was geared toward his career kind of like as crazy as you were about Davey he needed to have somebody that was as crazy about him exactly to, yes to do that. well he was mm-hmm. living in England then right and he came over here and did this uh, fall tour mm-hmm. partway through the tour well he lost his manager and he lost his booking agent and all this stuff so they were having all kind of problems his secretary personal assistant Bobby Boyce I have to remember her name because I used to call her by her maiden name. But anyway, she asked me if I could help out doing some of the bookings, you know, mm-hmm. because they, there was like the time difference between England and here, and that was a big problem. Right. <laughs> so I said, yeah, sure. So I kind of helped book some of these places. I, I helped connect them up, you know, between mm-hmm. the time difference and all that. Like I would, I would relay messages from from Bobby Boyce to the venue and from the venue to Bobby Boyce and so on. So that was kind of what was going on at the time. You were kind of like the daytime office because they, because of the time difference. Right, exactly, (laughs) yes. Because Bobby didn't want to have to call these people at 2 and 3 in the morning when she was, you know, yeah. So that's kind of how that was going. And then I got a chance to ask Davey if I could have a fan club for him. He said, yes, of course, you know. And he says, do you have a name picked out? And I said, no, not really. I said, I was kind of, I was bouncing around a few ideas in my head. 
And he says, well, how about, and he just came right out with it. He says, how about Friends of David Jones? And I said, oh, that's perfect. I said, perfect. I love it. He says, do you really? I said, yes. I said, that is perfect. And I knew the minute he said it, it was just exactly right. So that's what became the name, and he named it. <laughs> so that's basically how the Friends of David Jones got started, the fan club. And then I did that from about 1979 to about 83. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just some different things happened and some changes happened in my life. And I couldn't really keep it going after that. I mm-hmm. wanted to, but it wasn't possible, really. Right. But I still kept in touch with all the monkey clubs. I still helped a lot of the other clubs out. I would write little articles every once in a while for the different ones, you know. And mm-hmm. I was still involved, but right. not not with the fan club itself anymore exactly right and then um i saw davy in a lot of different places well at idora park of course and then at the riverboat in new york city i saw him there for that concert for those concerts for that weekend and i saw david in england we went over to england i saw him at this mickey mouse uh a celebration of mickey mouse's 50th birthday it was like a two-day children's festival Mm-hmm. He made this record, Hey Ra Ra, Happy Birthday Mickey Mouse, right? to bring back with me 
I was still go doing the Mickey Dolan Stargazer Club then, so he gave me the 50 copies for my fan club members. Wow. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, really. I so know. those are collector's items for sure. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, because there wasn't very many of those around. And like I said, it was only released in England, so only the people that were there at that Mickey Mouse celebration actually got the records, you know. So wow. there's, yeah, you're right. There's not too many of those around. They're very rare. Amazing. Now... You actually got to go to Davy's place? Yes, I went to it. Yes, we went to his apartment. Well, I can tell you how that happened. Okay. When we were at the Mickey Mouse celebration, Davy was there from like noon to 8 p.m. all day long. Right. And he was there signing records. They were selling the records, and he was signing the records, right? Right. They were supposed to have the restaurant open, but the restaurant wasn't open. So there was like nothing to eat, really. Mm. And he was like starving. So my mom and I, we had had a large breakfast at our hotel. Right. And we took the, like, rolls that you get for the continental breakfast. <laughs> we we kind of had those with us, you know, just in case we needed them or wanted them or whatever. Yeah, through the day. Yeah, you know. Davey sits, comes in, he's taking a break. He comes in and he, we're sitting down at the restaurant, but it's not open, but you can still sit at the chairs and tables. Right. And we were sitting there and he says, I'm starved, right? Because he had nothing to eat. And we said, well, we have these, you know, rolls from the Continental Breakfast. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't take your rolls. And we said, yes, please, we had a big breakfast, you know, help yourself, right? And we went, we, we got Pop out of a machine. We got 7-Up for him because he likes 7-Up. We got 7-Up and he ate our rolls and that's what he had for lunch. Later on, while we were still in England, he decided he wanted to take us to lunch, okay? Mm-hmm. So he was, he, we were all set to do this. He was going to take us out to lunch. And then something came up that morning. He had to do an interview with someone. Mm-hmm. So he went and did the interview, came back to the apartment, and fell asleep upstairs in the bedroom. And I know this sounds crazy. His manager, Mitch, his, well, it's his friend, Mitch, but he was acting as his manager at that moment. Mm-hmm. And he was living with Davey in the apartment at the time. Davy told him to go ahead and take us out to lunch because he couldn't make it because he had to do the interview. Mm-hmm. Mitch had Davy's credit card with him, and Mitch took a cab. Davy took the car, so Mitch didn't have any way to do anything, so he, he uh, got a cab. And we went to this <laughs> restaurant for lunch. We had lunch, and then we, we came back to the apartment, and Davy was asleep upstairs. So Mitch wanted me to go upstairs and wake him up, and I said, oh, I don't know about that, because <laughs> I was, like, only 20 years old at this time, you know, right. so I'm, like, just this young girl, and I'm like, oh, I don't think so, <laughs> you know, I was a little bit, uh, I don't know, I felt a little funny about that. Right. What we were going to do is actually have some kind of a fan club meeting, and mm-hmm. he was going to, Davey was going to tell me a few ideas he had about some things that he wanted to do. But we never did get to do that because I didn't go up there and wake him up. So he, we just let him sleep because he was, like, out. Right. <laughs> totally out. <laughs> do you know how many girls are screaming at you right now? I know. I know. <laughs> I can just imagine. <laughs> They're like, are you nuts? Yeah, I know. But, you know, I just I cared more about him getting his sleep than I guess I did about me seeing him at that point, you know? Right. So I thought, nah, the poor guy's tired. Let him rest. You know? <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's one of my stories. There are, there are many. 
And and you were there during the lean times. Yes, yes. There were some very lean times. Yes, Davey, uh, at one point in Toledo, Ohio, he got very sick. He had stomach flu. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't go on. He was supposed to do two shows that night. Well, actually, he was there for like two weeks in Toledo mm-hmm. it, at this place called Kipps in Toledo, Ohio. And mm-hmm. he couldn't go on. He was like really sick. And they had to take him to the to the hospital and get like medicine for him, like for nausea and stuff so mm-hmm. he, could, he could go on. And the reason why he couldn't, you know, he had to do the shows is because it was written into his contract that way somehow. Alan Green told us that. And we, we did go to lunch, actually, with Alan Green in Toledo. Davey was supposed to go to lunch with us at that time, too, but he couldn't, of course, because he was too sick to go. Right. So he did the two shows, amazingly. And he comes up to me afterward. He's sweating like like all for all get out because, mm-hmm. I guess, of what medication he was taking or right. whatever. Well, the fever probably breaks. Yeah, maybe. that too, right. Exactly. I mean, he had a towel up there on the stage with him and a bottle of water and the whole deal. Mm-hmm. And so he comes up to me afterwards and he says, was the concert okay? I said, could you tell I was sick? And I said, except for the sweating, I said, no, honestly. I said, I couldn't tell any difference. He says, are you sure? He says, because I don't want to disappoint people. He says, I don't want to disappoint anybody. And he says, I have to go on because if I don't, none of us get paid. Mm-hmm. The band guys wouldn't get paid. He wouldn't get paid, so he, he, he like, had to do it. He goes on as sick as he was. And I, I'm telling you, he put on the best show. I mean, it was like, like all the other shows. You couldn't tell any difference. You really couldn't. And I told him that. I said, there's no difference, Davey, honest. I said, I couldn't tell anything. He says, oh, good. He says, because I don't want to disappoint anybody. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy is too much, you know. So he says, I would stay out here with you and chat. He says, but I got to go lay down before I fall down. You know, he was that sick. He could hardly stand up. Yeah, it was it was something. Well, that was that was how he was. He he always made sure that the the band got paid and that everything worked out. Now, what around what time was this? What year was this? Would you say that was in 79? Now, we mentioned some of the lean years, and uh, Davey did extensive touring back then. I know he went to Japan, and yes. uh, he was trying to start a band. And you were telling me a pretty funny story that he wanted to start a band called The New Monkeys with Davy Jones, right? That was kind of the idea, yeah. The monkey name, they, who owned it then? I think Columbia... And they still owned the name, so he right. couldn't use the name Monkeys. And this was around the time of Peter Tork doing the New Monks. Right. Yeah. Which so. is kind of why he called it New Monks, because it wasn't Monkeys. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so that band eventually became Toast. Yeah, how that came about was in Toledo, Alan had this cassette recording of this song called Toast mm-hmm. from England. It was rather popular over there. It was like a punk rock song. Mm-hmm. And Davey and Alan got together and did this whole little thing, their own version of Toast, Mm -hmm. basically. And they started doing it in the concerts, and people really loved it. And so Davey decided that should be the band's name, and that's how they got the name Toast. Very cool. Yeah, so... And what they they did before that, they would say, well, this is the, the... 
hits of the monkeys, you know, because mm. they had to put monkeys in there somewhere so you knew who it was. Right. You know, obviously. So they said it's the hits of the monkeys, and then Davy thought, well, that doesn't sound so good. We got to come up with something, you know, different. Yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of trying to figure out what to call them. <laughs> it's just kind of funny, the, the new monkeys, you know. Just, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, and then there really was a new monkeys yeah. on the television for a while. Yeah. Right. Kind of funny. Here's Davy Jones and the Monkeys' greatest hit. Tonight, I hope you'll sing along with them as we go along. We're going to carry on with a little ditty that John Stewart wrote for the monkeys called Daydream Believer. Oh, I could hide neath the wings of a bluebird as it sings. The six o'clock alarm. Yeah. 
Now, Davy and you stayed in, in contact throughout his life, correct? Yes, we, we wrote back and forth. Um, he would send me things in the mail. Including you know, his driver's could, license, right? Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's amazing to think that, that D. <laughs> Davy Jones sent you his driver's license. How did that come to be about? That was very soon after I wrote him that first fan letter that I wrote, mm -hmm. um, telling him that whole story about being a fan and trying to find him and the whole deal. Yeah, he sent it in the mail. It's a miracle it got to me in one piece, but it did. <laughs> um, and you still have it. Oh, yeah, I still have it. Oh, yes. Well, thankful thankfully you didn't need a, a you know, a, a liver transplant. He might have sent you that. <laughs> really? Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> no, I still have it, yeah. He sent that to me in 77, not too mm -hmm. long after that first fan letter, like a few weeks later. And I know that you guys would exchange things every so often. Like you'd send him a T-shirt from, like, yes. let's say, a local amusement park. Like, well, I sent him a T-shirt from Akron, yeah. Akron, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Because that was my hometown. And he was collecting T-shirts from different places. He had a whole collection of them at one point in time from different cities all over the U.S., you know. Mm -hmm. And so I sent him one to add to his collection is what it started out being. Mm -hmm. And when we were in England in 81, I went twice. I went in 78, which was the Mickey Mouse thing, and then I went in 81. And I was supposed to see him in a horse race in mm -hmm. 81, but somehow the horse race got canceled. I don't know what happened exactly. I can't remember. But it got canceled for some reason. And so I didn't get to see him in the horse race. So in 81, there wasn't anything else he was really doing right then in England where I could go see him. So somehow it all came about. My friend John Clayton had a lot to do with that, I think. Because he, he was like a music uh, freelance writer for like music publications and that uh -huh. kind of thing. So he kind of knew Davey and Mickey and for Mike. He was like friends with these guys. Mm-hmm. And he was also my foreign correspondent in my fan club, which which helped me a lot with news on England, um, right. as well as Bobby Boyce. I would have like these two people giving me lots of news from England all the time, mm -hmm. because Davey and Mickey were both living over there then. Right. John kind of arranged it so that Davey would give me a phone call. He he told John that I was there and that I didn't get to go to the horse show, so Davey kind of knew all this. And there was this horse show on the television. In England, the English Derby, which is kind of like our Kentucky Derby here. Yeah. And so I was, like, really excited to get a chance to see this, you know, on television. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching the show, uh, I mean, the race, the horse race, and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if Davey's somewhere watching this, too, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, sure enough, he was, because right after the horse crossed the finish line, the phone goes ring, 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 ring. You know how they ring in England, like ring, yeah. ring, 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 yeah. ring, ring. Those, right? Yeah. Yep. The phone rings. My mom looks at me. I look at her from across the room. She goes, "That's Davy." And I said, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> so I got. I answered the phone. He goes, "Hello, Davy Jones here." Sure enough, it was him, right? <laughs> so he called, and we talked, and we talked. Well, I guess. I guess he was in a talkative mood. Of course, he was a talker once he got going. Right. So we just, I mean, there was like a half hour we talked on the phone, just chit-chat. And he said that he was um, up in the north country. He was up there fishing 
and he was by himself. He said, I'm, I'm by myself up here. He says, I, sometimes I just need to get away from everything and everybody and just kind of chill, you know. Uh-huh. And he says, so I'm kind of having my, my, my time to myself up here. And he said, I thought I'd give you a call and since you didn't get to go to the horse race. And I thought, oh, how nice, you know. So we're talking. We talked about the that his dad worked for the British Railways. And I asked him, well, how long did he work there? And he says, well, he worked there for 42 years till he got hurt at work and had to retire. And I said, oh, okay. And we're talking about the trains. And Davy said he loved the trains. And he loved going for rides on the trains all the time, you know, uh-huh. different places. And he asked me how I liked the English countryside. And I said, oh, I loved it. It was beautiful, you know. So we just, like I said, we were just chit-chatting about different things. Then we come to the part where he talks about the Akron t-shirt. And he says, you remember that black Akron t-shirt that you sent me in the mail? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, I wanted to remember to tell you this. He says, because I know it will mean a lot to you. He says, you remember last year when I when I rode in my first race as a, as a jockey, a licensed jockey, and I said, yeah. And he says, well, he says, I wanted to tell you, he says, I wore that Akron t-shirt under my jockey silks. Because I wanted to wear wear that to give bring me good luck, he says, from a fellow horse lover. And he said, I knew that would mean a lot to you, and so I wanted to tell you. And like now, I started crying. And I said, oh, Davy, thank you. I said, that means so much to me. I said, I will remember that for the rest of my life. And of course I have. So he actually was wearing my shirt under his jockey silks Mm. when he, when he, rode in his first horse race that is so special to me because I had loved horses dearly all my life since I was like two years old Mm -hmm. I always wanted a horse and I took horseback riding lessons and I mean I went and took a college course in horses and I was gonna I was gonna actually go to college and become like a horse trainer but Mm -hmm. I didn't get to do that but that was kind of you know something I wanted to do at one point and so it was it just meant the world to me, you mm-hmm. know. And that's just kind of the guy kind of guy he was. I mean, he would just do these things, you know. All right. And it wasn't just me. I mean, it was other fans too. Hey, Davey, let me ask you one thing. Did you start off like are you a Kentucky Colonel's son? I mean, you know? No, my father's a fitter. He's oh, wow. an engineer, uh, he's a an engineer on the railways, you know. He, How did you get into show business? How did that all start out? Oh, I used to act at school and whatnot, and uh, they said I should be an actor, but I wanted to be a jockey. How did you get started on that? Uh, well, I'll tell you about that. Just, you know, I, 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 well, I always used to watch it on the TV, you see, and I used to ride so many winners each week watching it on the television. My father said, I, I ought to be a jockey. I see somebody coming around the back there. It's going to do me in two minutes flat. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I... Um, I decided I wanted to be a jockey, so I left school when I was 14 and a half, went to be a jockey. I uh, practiced for about, a re- well, rehearsed, listen to me. I, uh, I practiced to be a jockey for about six, seven months. Then I finally got on a horse, started to ride, and yeah. thought this was the life. 
in the rain, you know, five o'clock in the morning and everything like that. So I, uh... Did you make any money? Uh, yeah, but not, not writing I didn't because you have to serve an apprenticeship for five years. Hey, David, jockeys aren't big guys, are they? No, anyway. uh, five, about 5'3". Five, the yeah. girls like that size or what? Well, you know... You well, have trouble adjusting to uh, <laughs> In boots, I'm 5'3". Yeah, uh, no, I don't get tr have trouble adjusting. I kind of like tall girls, yeah. Uh, it's kind of groovy, but... Well, no, I didn't ask you that, David. <laughs> yeah. I asked you whether or not they like you. <laughs> you haven't got any hair on your face. No, that, that's a funny bit. I went into hospital, had my appendix out, you see. And I go into the hospital and she says, okay, shaving time. All right, I said, David, I forget, said, the, I don't... Forget, the <laughs> story, forget the story. Hey, haven't you got any clean thoughts? You look like such a clean kid. I am a clean... You know, they may put my hair over my ears and all this. I'm really a clean-cut kid, you know. Yeah. And uh, they made me do this. Take off the hat. We don't want to see what the hair looks like. Doesn't it look great? Hey, Davey, let me ask What bag are you in? What, what? What bag are you in? Bag? Yeah. I don't get that. All right, let me ask you something. I mean, like, do you make a folk sound or a rock sound or anything like that? I make a terrible sound. But, you know, <laughs> hey, let me no. see you do the song and dance you do. Song and dance, yeah, I do. Do something quick. A song and you must be joking. No, I'm not. What do you want? What do you want me to do? I sing. I'll dance one of your little quick things. <laughs> hey, baby, you want to know something? Honestly, hold it for a second. What? I really think you should have been a jockey. <laughs> <laughs> Judith, you've told me off air about some of the things that Davey has done for some fans. Could you share one of those stories with me? Oh, gosh. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, there was this girl in Toledo, and her name was Nancy Smith. Mm -hmm. And she was in a wheelchair. She was disabled. And he, he taught, he, she wanted a picture with him, but she didn't want to have the wheelchair in the picture. And she had on this beautiful, like, evening dress. It was like a beautiful black evening dress with this red rose. And, you know, she looked really elegant in it. And she that's why she didn't want the wheelchair in the picture, you know. Right. So this was like her first picture with him, I think. And she came with a group of girls who actually came in a plane. <laughs> well, I thought they chartered the plane, but I found out later that one of the girls' husbands was a pilot. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so he actually flew everybody to the concert in Toledo. Because Davey, like I said, was there for two weeks. Mm -hmm. So I got postcards out to all my fan club people and said, hey, you know, he's up here in, in Toledo for two weeks, guys. You know, make it up here. You, if you can make it up here, there, here he is. So these guys actually got a plane and went and picked everybody up from all these different places and flew everybody to the concert. And so this Nancy Smith was with these this group that flew to the concert in the mm -hmm. plane. And there was like a whole group of them, and they were like all fan club people. Right. And um, so she's wanting this picture with Davey. So he, he talks to her a little bit privately, finds out some things, some details about her condition, and he lifts her up out of the wheelchair himself, puts her on the steps to the stage, and then hangs on to her while he sits down. He arranges her dress um, around her legs like in a kind of a sultry pose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it would look nice in the picture, you know. And the last thing he did, did he, he had this look on his face like, woohoo, she's hot, you know, and points to her legs. Mm -hmm. And then they take the picture, right? Well, Nancy is just elated. She just loves this, right? She's, she's as happy as could be. Mm -hmm. And... I'm watching all this happen. I'm like kind of off in a distance, but I'm seeing all this going on, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, how how wonderful of him to do this, right? 
So he, he real gently puts her back in the wheelchair himself, and he asks her for a kiss. And she kisses. I mean, he asked her for the kiss, right? Mm-hmm. And she, she, they, they do that. And then I'm thinking to myself, boy, not only did he make her feel special, but he actually made her feel beautiful. And she told me that. She says, she says he made me feel beautiful. And she says, nobody ever did that before. She says, I never felt beautiful before. She says, he actually made me feel beautiful. And I thought, golly, how wonderful that is. And it, it wasn't in front of the cameras. It wasn't in front of the like people writing stories in the magazines. It wasn't in front of anybody. It was just between the two of them. Right. Well, he didn't do this like for publicity or anything. I mean, he never did. When he did these kind of things, he tried to keep it quiet. He tried not to let people know because he just wanted it to be between him and them, and that was it. He just did it because he wanted to help people because he loved people, and he wanted to help people, and he wanted to make them feel happy. And that's really that was really his motivation. And so he, he tried as best he could to keep the media away from those kind of situations mm-hmm. because he didn't want people to think that, you know, he only did it for publicity because that was the furthest thing from the truth. Right. That was just him. That was Davy Jones. Judith, over the years, you stopped being part of the fan club. I know that you and Davy kept in touch via mail. How did you finally see him the last time? Well, Ken, so I didn't. I, I was still in touch with Davy a lot, but I didn't really get to go to the concerts and different things that came up too mm-hmm. much in those days because there was just a lot going on in my life personally. I got in touch with this girl. She, she's a younger girl. I needed to take my cats to the vet, so she came and picked me up, and and so we went to the vet, and in her car was this monkey tape. And the monkey tape was right there. And I said, oh, my, you know, to myself, thinking, oh, as fate would have it, right? Uh-huh. I said, oh, you, you like the monkeys? And she's like, oh, yes. And she says, Davy's my favorite. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> so I started talking to her. And I said, well, I, I used to have this fan club for Davy. And, I, and I'm still friends with him. And I know him. And she, she looked at me like, say what <laughs> you know like she thought i was nuts i said no really and i showed her like the the driver's license because i had it with me in my wallet i always have it with me mm-hmm. and i showed it to her and i showed her the newsletters and i showed her some of the letters davy wrote me and she's like oh my goodness you're not kidding and i said no it's true you know as time went on we got to be better friends and i gave her some of my extra you know davy and monkey things i had around mm-hmm. She was very appreciative to get some of those things. And she said, well, you know, there's this concert coming up of his. It's not going to be that far away. She says, why don't we go together? You know, and I said, oh, that's so wonderful. I said, I would love to see him again. Said, I haven't seen him in a long time. So we went to this concert. And this was in like 2009. Uh-huh. This ended up being the last time I saw him. Uh-huh. But I didn't know that, of course. Right. So we went to this concert. It was in Franklin, Pennsylvania, which is like kind of halfway between his house in Beavertown and my house in Ohio. Right. So he drove like two and a half hours, and I drove like two and a half hours, and kind of met in the middle. And I kind of told Davey I was going to be there ahead of time, so he knew it. Uh And they were having this this prize package drawing, a Davey Jones prize package. They were doing this to help 
the theater. This was in like a theater. It was like the, the Barrow Civic Theater. And Davey was supplying the prizes for this contest. So I bought a ticket and <laughs> I looked at my friend. Her name's Amber. I looked at Amber and I said, I never win these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> ah, famous last words. Right. And about, you know, two minutes later, Davey pulls the ticket out of this gift bag, reads off my number. Sure enough, it's me. And I'm like, ah, you know. I was just so amazed because I had no idea that was going to happen at all. Right. And it was just amazing. I mean, there was like no way. And I'm just like, ah, you know, I was screaming like at the top of my lungs. And Davey says, come on up here on the, on the stage with him. Now, mind you. So I get up there on the stage with him. He says, and this is Judith Hadlock from Talmadge, Ohio. Um, and she's won this contest. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So we, we get to talking a little bit, and then he's, he hands me the microphone, and he says, why don't you tell these people about the photo on your badge? I had a photo badge on of when I was in England at the Mickey Mouse thing, you see, <laughs> <laughs> of him and I. So he says, why don't you tell everybody about your badge? Well, he knew what were the badge, how that all happened. So I'm like, oh, okay. So here I am with the microphone in my hand telling these people about this photo badge, right? Mm-hmm. And he was, he was like joking around and telling some of his stories, you know. Right, like Davey like he, does. Like he would do, right? Right. Yeah. He says, let's go for a walk. And I'm like, okay. And this is all on stage. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this is all on stage. So he puts his hand out and I took his hand and we went walking all the way across the stage and all the way back. <laughs> And it was, it was, he did that because he remembered something that I had written to him about that I would have loved to have been able to go for a walk with him on a beach somewhere. You know, it was kind of a fantasy thing that I had written to him about Mm -hmm. and told him about. And, and darn if he didn't do it right there on the stage. (laughs) And I was like, oh my goodness. And, you know, it was, it was like the whole, I want to be free thing, you know, Mm -hmm. where he's walking on the beach, right? Right. I was like, oh my goodness. So yeah, that was that was incredible. I'd like to do a Tommy and Bobby tune. One of my whole favorites in the whole world. It's called I Wanna Be Free. Like the birds flying by me. Like the waves I got the blue.
supposed to be like a meet and greet after the concert. Mm -hmm. And there was like the first three rows were supposed to be able to go back and see Davey. And we were in the first three rows, but Davey said, oh, heck, just let everybody come back. And so he did. He, he did autographs for the whole theater. Anybody that wanted to come to the meet and greet could come to the meet and greet. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he says, I, let's just let them all come back here. And everybody got their stuff signed and everything. He had a lady come out personally to invite us back, which mm-hmm. I thought was really something. And she said, Davey is requesting the honor of your presence backstage. Please follow me. And Amber's jaw like dropped to the floor (laughs) you know and she was like so amazed you know Mm -hmm. so we got back there and we were chit-chatting with him and we were getting pictures and I had a picture album that I was showing him and it had all these like pictures in there and he's going through the album and he's showing them to Johnny Blair Johnny Blair was back there part of the Davy Jones band and so he gets to this one picture of Tommy Boyce from the Mickey Mouse thing in England mm-hmm. that I had. In, and Davy starts getting these big tears in his eyes as soon as he sees that picture. And he, had, he excused himself. He went backstage for a while, came back out, and he says, I'm sorry about that. And I said, no, no. I said, I'm the one who's sorry. I felt really bad because I upset him. And I said, no, no, I said, I'm the one that feels bad. I said, I shouldn't have had that picture in there. I should have taken that out. I said, I should have realized, you know, that you would be upset maybe seeing that. I said, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. And he says, no, no. He says, no, no. He says, I'm glad it's there. He says, I'm glad you're remembering him. And I'm like, oh, wow. So I had Davy in tears over that. So then later on, when we get these things signed, I brought my Daydream Believing book with me. I hadn't had that one signed yet. I handed him the book, and he signed it, and he put put the flower drawing that he used to put a lot of times with his with his autograph. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that I knew the story behind that, and I knew knew that that represented his mother. You see. Yeah. I had mentioned to him a little earlier on that my mother had passed away in 1994. I kind of reminded him of that. And he had known my mother because she took me to all these concerts to see yes. him. So he, he knew her. He hands the book back to me and he says, the flowers for your mother this time. That was very and, sweet. Oh, yeah. So every time I look at that autograph, I always know that that flower's there for my mom from Davy. Yeah. That was wonderful. So I made him cry and he made me cry. <laughs> You know, we both did, kind of. Then um, my friend Amber, she says, well, I'll go. It was getting late. Like, he stayed, like, two hours after the concert ended to to do all these autographs, you know. Uh And we were backstage with him. We were, like, the last ones. It was just me and my friend Amber and Davey, and we were kind of the last ones back there. And, you know, he spent quite a bit of time with us back there. So Davey and I got a chance to just... Just be there, the two of us, you know. Uh-huh. And he was thanking me for all the stuff that I did, and I was thanking him for all the things he did. And I realized later that that, that was our chance to say goodbye to each other. So I actually did get a chance to say goodbye to him, but I didn't know it at the time it happened, you know. Right. But later on when I thought about it, I realized that's what it was. It, we got a chance to say goodbye to each other. And we kind of did, you know. Mm-hmm. 
but but we were thanking each other for everything you know all through the years when we got back out to the car <laughs> amber turns to me i never will forget this she turns to me and she says you really are marcia brady <laughs> <laughs> I, I was laughing. I said, oh, that is so sweet of her, you know. And I just hugged her. I said, that is so sweet. I said, thank you. I just thought that was cute. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes these things just happen, and it's just the universe is good to you in some way, you know. I don't know why or how these things came to be, but they just do. And I'm just, I'm just so thankful and grateful for all of it, you know. I'm just right. so thankful and grateful that it all happened. And that I got that opportunity to know him. Right. Please tell us how you heard about Davy's passing. Actually, I found out the day after it happened. And I was at my neighbor's house. And my neighbor mentioned to me, uh, she said, so are you okay since the news about Davy Jones are you okay and I said what do you mean I said what news I had no idea and she handed me the the newspaper from in the headlines it says singer Davy Jones dead at 66 and these these words kept jumping out of the newspaper at me you know and I I just I was in shock I just I looked at it I was like I thought maybe it was a mistake and she said, I don't think so. She says, it's been all over the TV and radio and everything. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, you know. And I just, I just looked at that, and I, I was like, no. And I had, I had a lot of errands that I had to run that day, and I thought to myself, no, I'm going to go ahead and do everything because that's what he would do. If he were here, that's what he would do. He, the show must go on, you know. <laughs> that's exactly what he would do, so that's exactly what I did. And I was in shock for a long time. I would wake up at night and, and have, like, these panic things happen for a while, for a couple of weeks at least. And I would wake up, I would, ha I would be in a panic, and, and then I'd remember why, and then I'd just start crying. It was horrible. I had a hard time with it for a long time. And I still do. Especially when I go out to the mailbox. The mailbox... You know, because I know there's not going to be anything in there from him. And that's, the mailbox is what makes it real for me. Yeah. So I have my husband go get the mail. <laughs> I don't go get the mail very often because it always upsets me. You know, because I know there's nothing, not going to be anything in there from him. And there was things in there from him all these years. Like 34 years we wrote back and forth, you know. And, and there's nothing going to be in that mailbox. So that's, that's a tough one for me. Judith, what would you say to somebody who maybe is a young Davy Jones fan for the first time? Maybe they saw him on Antenna TV or on YouTube uh -huh. or something. What would you tell them about Davy Jones? Just what <laughs> what would you say? I would tell them that he was such a wonderful, kind, generous person. You know, he would just give you the shirt off his back literally and he had he actually did do that for some people. He was just that kind of guy. He would help anybody out that he could. He was kind, generous, you know. He tried always to be 
available and and like courteous to the fans. You know, there were times I'm sure when he had an off day here and there, but basically he always tried to be accommodating to the fans and he always understood how the fans felt about things. He was just a wonderful guy. He really was. There's no two ways about it. He was like my childhood hero and my my teenage heartthrob, my favorite entertainer, and my friend, all wrapped in one. And he made you smile. Oh, yes. Yes. And I miss him. So good choice. Yeah. Well, Judith, thanks for coming on the show today. And I appreciate you taking some time to talk about David Jones. Thank you for having me, Ken. It's been a real honor and a real pleasure. Like a morning sun shining down on me, you're the only one, my reason to believe. can hear you makes no difference where you are I can see you I am watching from afar yours forever written in my heart like a lonely moon in the sky when it's gone too soon doesn't mean goodbye I can see you makes no difference where you go I can feel you you are deep within my soul Yours forever Written in my heart I can hear you Makes no difference where you are I am near you I am watching from afar I can see you Makes no difference where you go I can feel you You are deep within my soul
Hi, this is David Galvin from We Want the Monkeys podcast, and you are listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. And we welcome at the Zilch Diner, Dave Galvin from We Want the Monkeys. Welcome, Dave. Glad to have you here finally at Zilch. Kenneth Evelyn Mills, how are you, sir? (laughs) It's not my name, but I'm doing well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here at the the Zilch Cafe... uh, Having a diet soda and a glass of cold gravy with a hair in it. Oh, there you go. I think I'll have a cup of cold gravy with hair in it myself. I'll have that ordered for you. Yes. Now, Dave, for those who don't know it, you are joining the Zilch staff in a roundabout sort of way. You have a podcast called We Want the Monkeys. Yes. Yes, I do. And people are actually listening to it, which is surprising me. Nah, people love the monkeys. It's it's a it's a great thing. <laughs> and we're going to be airing some of your segments here on Zilch to get them to a bigger audience. So Yeah, yeah I'll tell you. I'm absolutely thrilled. I'll t- I'll tell you something, Ken. Ever since you've been plugging my podcast, the ratings have gone through the roof. I actually just had to upgrade my hosting package to accommodate all the people listening to the podcast now. Excellent. Yeah. Well, today we're discussing Davy Jones, and yes. t- today we're going to continue on with the show with your special tribute to Davy Jones on the life of Davy Jones and the music and the memories of Davy Jones. David, as we as we look back on Davy Jones, what are some of your thoughts around this time of year about Davy's passing and his life? Davy was really a one-of-a-kind entertainer. It's always been said that the Monkees were two actors and two musicians right and i always thought that that wasn't really fair because they really were four musicians to start with of course you had mike and you had peter mickey gosh he sung lead on most of the songs especially the early ones and then davy i mean the man was a uh, a tony nominated actor singer dancer musician i mean he really was mm-hmm. um he was nominated for his role in, in uh, oliver so you don't you don't get a Tony nomination for a musical by not being a musician. Right. Uh, he was an all around entertainer. I mean, the man sung to to Marsha, Marsha, Marsha on the Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, he sung on Scooby Doo, <laughs> and he also uh, acted on stage. He acted on screen, and he acted on the television. Um, the man was uh, the entertainer's entertainer, really. We have been blessed to enjoy Davy's work in the monkeys and outside of the monkeys. And this feature that you've put together, it, it kind of goes through his entire history. Yeah, I kind of wanted to do a tribute to David Jones. Um, how do you do a tribute to David Jones in 30 or 60 minutes? You really can't. Right. So while I was putting it together, I I sort of thought to myself, well, this will be... This will be today's tribute to Davy Jones. Um, and then, you know, this tributes will kind of keep going as we are talking about the monkeys uh, on the podcast, We Want the Monkeys. So I'm always kind of throwing something in there about Davy. And for that matter, not just Davy, but also Mike, Peter, and, and uh, Mickey. So, you know, it's, it's sort of an ongoing tribute for Davy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way it is here at Zilch. Yeah. Well, let's introduce... David Galvin with his segment on Davy Jones from We Want the Monkeys right here on Zilch, a monkeys podcast. We want the monkeys! 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 We want the mon
Right now, appearing for the very first time on network television, here is very young Davy Jones. Listen. Manchester, England, on December 30, 1945. His television acting debut was on the British television soap opera Coronation Street, a series that is still in production today. After the death of his mother from emphysema when he was 14, Jones rejected acting in favor of a career as a jockey, apprenticing with trainer Basil Foster. He dropped out of school to begin his career, though this career was short-lived. Foster believed Jones would be successful as a jockey, but he encouraged his young protege to take the role of Artful Dodger in a production of Oliver in London's West End, a move that changed Jones's life forever. In turn, Jones cared for Foster in his later years. He even brought him to the United States and provided him with financial support. He played the role in London and then on Broadway and was even nominated for a Tony Award. 
On February 9th, 1964, he appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show. All right, then, Dodge. Let's show him how the quality gentleman treats their lady. Yeah. How's it go, darling? It's all bowing and that's all. Then do the job. Let it go dangle in the mud, my darling. And I shall go last. No, I shall go last. No, I shall go last. same evening, on the same show, a four-man rock and roll group from England made their American TV debut. Oh yeah, tell you something, I think you'll understand, when I say that something, I wanna
Sullivan appearance, Davey signed a contract with Ward Sylvester of Screen Gems, which was the television division of Columbia Pictures at the time. A couple of television appearances followed, including episodes of Ben Casey and The Farmer's Daughter. Davey debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 on the week of August 14, 1965, with the single, What Are We Going to Do? What are we going to do if the word gets out? What are we going to do if it gets about? What are we going to do if your dad finds out we're in love? Well, what did your sister say when she saw us kiss? What have I got to pay so she won't talk about this? What are we going to do if your dad finds out we're in love? They've been saying wait until we're ready Ready But we know we're ready now So we'll go steady anyhow So what are we going to do when the word gets out? How are they going to stop us when it gets about? So what are we going to do? We're going to tell them we're in love Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to tell them we're in love. They've been saying, wait until we're ready. we going to do when the word gets out how are they going to stop us when it gets about so what are we going to do we're going to tell them we're in love yeah that's what we're going to do we're going to tell them we're in love yeah that's what we're going to do we're going to tell them we're in love 
With Screen Gems producing the series, Jones was shortlisted for auditions, as he was the only monkey who was signed a deal with a studio, but still had to meet with producer Bob Rafelson and Bert Schneider's standards. Davies' time with the monkeys has been well documented, and we will not be going into much detail about it here. In 1967, Jones opened his first store called Zilch at 217 Thompson Street in the Greenwich Village section of New York City. The store sold hip clothing and accessories and also allowed customers to design their own clothing. After the monkeys officially disbanded in 1971, Jones kept himself busy by establishing a New York City-style street market in Los Angeles called The Street, which cost approximately $40,000. He also collaborated with musical director Doug Trevor on a one-hour ABC television special entitled Pop Goes Davy Jones, which featured new artists The Jackson 5 and The Osmonds. Unfortunately, no known footage of the show exists today. Bell Records, then having a string of hits with the Partridge family, signed Jones to a somewhat inflexible solo contract in 1971. Jones was not allowed to choose his songs or his producer, resulting in several lackluster and very aimless records. His second solo album, Davy Jones, was notable for the song Rainy Jane, which reached number 52 on the Billboard charts. To promote the album, Jones performed on an episode of The Brady Bunch entitled Getting Davy Jones. Although the single sold Poorly, the popularity of Jones's appearance on the show resulted in the song Girl becoming his best-remembered solo hit, even though the song was not included on the album. Girl, look what you've done to me Me and my whole world Girl You've brought the sun to me With your smile You did it, girl I'm telling you, girl Something unknown to me Makes you what you are And what you are is all could ask for me and it's good to feel that way girl thank you girl for making the morning brighter girl for making the night time nicer girl for making a better world for me I'm telling you girl something unknown me makes you what you are, and what you are is all that I want for me, and it's good. Winter warmer girl 
Jamie continued acting after the monkeys, either either as himself or another character. He appeared in two episodes each of Love American Style and My Two Dads. Davy Jones also appeared in animated form as himself in 1972 in an hour-long episode of the new Scooby-Doo movies. What do we do? Beast the heck out of me. I've got it, Davy. You could sing for him. Sing him a song? He's a moat monster, not an agent. They say music soothes the savage beast. But I've never sung for frogs before, just monkeys. Go on, it's worth a try. Okay, here goes. I know a place where I am going, and the place where I am going is just around the bend. And you know, there's a lot that I can show you And if you wanna go there, I can get you in Happy is the secret word And if you're happy, it will get you through And I love you, you know it's true And I can make you happy if you love me too with the monkeys. What's happened to them now? Um, well, the monkeys is uh, now on reruns, the television show. It's doing quite well. It's number one rated show on Saturday morning television. It's picked up quite a good a new audience. And, uh, but but the, group, the group itself, it's no longer the original four, is it? We're not working together as a group, no. We just, as I said, just the reruns. We don't go out and do personal appearances. Mickey Dolenz and I record for the Saturday morning TV show, yeah. and we put new songs into the show, but uh, we record on Sat uh, for the Saturday morning TV show, and that's the extent of my commitment to, work, you know, to the month. So, so what else are you doing? What are you doing to um, Well, I'm putting together a personal appearance act that I hope to take on the road. I hope to come to Australia, actually, in the early part of 71, which would be about um, March is or this, so. Is this what you always want to do, though? You started off on stage in musicals. You were in Oliver before you started um, with the Monkees. But now you seem to be staying with music rather than stage work. Um, well, it's just that um, it's it's easier for me to, to get something together musically than it is for me to get like a, a part in a Broadway play together, which I would very much like to do. My, as you say, my background is from the stage. I really enjoy being on the stage more than anything. Do you ever 
resent the fact that you fitted into a slot rather than creating a group which proved popular then? Well, if it would have been our own creation, we wouldn't, it wouldn't have never taken place. We would have never done it. It was a project that was put together by a, a motion picture company with thought in mind of recording, uh, personal appearances, movies, and it was a... It was an idea that went a lot farther than just plain recording. If I was to get a group together like I have now, four musicians myself, one of them being Doug Trevor, who is an Australian fellow, who I met over there when we were doing the Monkeys tour, it would be a different thing. I have put that together and I have learnt from the, um, from the Monkeys uh, about... Uh, recording and about with a, a group and uh, of course the other know. thing now Mike Nesmith has set up with the first national band and it's got Joe and the hit song do you wish you'd you know you'd gone into that with Mike or are you happy no no that was his own thing you see he took his own direction and he uh, produced and um, and wrote he's you know he's, he's been writing songs for a long time and he wanted to do that and he did that he got his that's his hit I was never offered part of you know to be part of his group or anything, the same as I've got, I, I've not been Mike to be part of my group. When I go to Australia, I'll probably do some concerts at the same time, I'll probably go into some of the league clubs and things like that, and uh, to entertain adults. I'm able to, you know, when I was on, six, seven years ago, when I was on Broadway, I was uh, entertaining Wednesday afternoons to the Yiddish Mamas of 85 years old and thought I was charming, you see. I'm able to entertain to any kind of an audience, not necessarily to a rock and roll audience, a, a, a grand funk railroad audience or a, a, a Steppenwolf. Or I have a, a, an audience that I cater to and I'm aware of what the audience is. I don't try to reach out further than I'm able to. I'm, uh, I've got it pretty much together. I, uh, I have certain ideas of what my direction is going to be and it's basically entertaining entertaining in, as I say in all those areas where I'm able to do I don't believe that uh, um, there are many members of many uh, of any successful rock and roll groups including um, uh, the Beatles for instance best example I can give Ringo's not an actor I'm an actor Ringo is acting and therefore he's going to become an actor before I was a musician I was an actor I was uh, uh, I'm a good actor. I'm a very good actor. And uh, I'll make my life entertaining. And I'll make a lot of money doing it. By the mid-1980s, the Monkees had a resurgence in popularity. Davey, joined with Mickey and Peter, toured the world under this new groundswell of popularity. Just three of us, Mickey Dolans, Peter Talk, and myself, we got together, we went out on the road, we had tremendous um, response. The response was tremendous, so tremendous that the three reunited Monkees recorded their first new album since 1970. Pull It was released in 1987 and included Every Step of the Way, one of the two singles released from the album.
was not a commercially successful album, and once the massive resurgence in the Monkees had run its course, the boys went their separate ways yet again, reuniting from time to time. Finally, in 1996, Davey contributed to the last Monkees album before his death. Just Us reunited Peter, Mickey, and Davey with Michael Nesmith, and they all went in the studio to record the album. For the first time in decades, they played their own instruments and had 100% control of the music on their album. What a night! Nice. Now I must forget you But my heart won't let you Out of my life Oh, what a night But now I must forget you But my heart won't let you
final time Davey toured with Peter and Mickey as the Monkees was their 45th anniversary tour. Davey did a few solo dates shortly thereafter and performed his final concert on February 19, 2012 in Oklahoma. Fortunately, fans recorded his final performance.
Ten days later, on the morning of February 29, 2012, Davy went to tend to his 14 horses at a farm in Indiana Town, Florida. After riding one of his favorite horses around the track, he complained of chest pains and difficulty breathing and was rushed to the hospital where he was pronounced dead of a severe heart attack due to coronary artery disease. Any hint at all of a health problem, no. Davy? None at all. Uh, I was thinking about it, you know, he uh, vegetarian. He's always outdoors with his horses. His passion was uh, r- uh, r- uh, training. Yeah, he and was started out as a jockey very young. Yeah, huh? he was going to be a jockey. He was an apprentice jockey. So he's always out, not doing as much riding these days, but had owners and trainers. And, you know, his, his mom, I remember, uh, passed on when he was very young. And then his father also passed on in the very early days of the monkeys. And I believe it was from a heart attack. So I think... Maybe there was some genetic thing going on there, but uh, uh, nothing that we ever knew about. I don't know if he was under any care or not. I have no idea. Thank you for listening to We Want the Monkeys podcast. Please support the podcast Zilch and monkeyslivealmanac.com. I want to thank you for listening to Zilch today. And Davey, we miss you so much. Thank you for being part of our shared experience. Thank you to all of our Zilch friends out there. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. And remember, always take some time to monkey around. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burt. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. <laughs>